Hello and welcome to Uncommon Law, my podcast about true stories from my life experience of over 50 years as a lawyer and trial judge. This is a look at the law from the inside out, stuff they don't teach in law school. This is Judge Rudy Greco, retired justice of the New York State Supreme Court. When Mike Tyson was heavyweight champ, he would go around proclaiming to anybody who'd listen that he was the so-called baddest man on the planet, which I knew Mike Tyson since he's 15 years old. It was not true, not even close. Uh, And besides, I really knew uh, the actual baddest man on the planet, and, and this is his story. Uh, as a youngster, he grew up in Rockville Center, uh, Long Island, where he uh, became, uh, he was an avid athlete and became an outstanding linebacker in, in, in Pop Warner football, uh, showing uh, the determination and, and, and the fierce uh, dedication to whatever the job was at hand. As the first signs of his character, which later on uh, would mark his life and influence uh, favorably thousands of other people. Uh, Eventually, in his teens, his high school had no football team, uh, so he joined the Pop Warner football team, a very good one, Long Island Tomahawks. And the Long Island Tomahawks uh, played in the Pop Warner League, uh, their organization, against an organization that I coached, but not on the same same age level. I coached the QBH, Queensboro Hill Jets, and uh, our big rivals were the Tomahawks for first place always in the league at all age levels, and I happened to be coaching at, at a, uh, an older age level, so I never really coached directly against him. Anyway, Stephen McDonald became, and he was awarded uh, the honor of being named the outstanding uh, linebacker on all of Long Island and Pop Warner football, and it's a vast organization, so that was a big honor. He was an outstanding football player. He joined the Navy and became a corpsman or a, a medic, which was absolutely fitting because he was a very, very courageous guy. He never needed a gun to be courageous, but he was a courageous guy and corpsman and, and very uh, empathetic and, and wanting to help other people. So that was a perfect, perfectly suitable uh, occupation for him in the service. He came out of the service and he joined the uh, New York City Police Department, following in, in the footsteps of his father and his grandfather. Eventually, in pretty short order, he was uh, assigned to the Central Park Precinct, which made his mother very happy because she felt Central Park was a, uh, was a nice, easygoing place for a policeman to work. Nothing uh, very dangerous like some of the very, very bad precincts of which there were too many scattered all around the city. And uh, she was quite content that he had been assigned there and, and she felt secure. And his dad had told him, uh, even then as a new uh, policeman, he said, look, uh, you have to protect yourself at all times, Steve. And uh, you got to remember, even a three-year-old can pull a trigger. Keep that in mind, okay? Well, he did, and he conducted himself well, and he did a good job. But just weeks after his father had mentioned that to him, he was in plain clothes, assigned in Central Park, walking around, and he apprehended a, a young black kid, a 12-year-old kid, uh, on a stolen bike. They had gotten a report of a stolen bike. The description of the bike was pretty distinctive, and you could pick it out, and uh, he knew this was the kid that stole the bike. He was riding the bike. He was a 12-year-old little kid uh, riding the bike. He stopped the kid, and he detained him. And he was talking to the kid, uh, trying to find out why he stole the bike and uh, whether the kid needed any help or anything. He's just a little kid. And as he was talking to this young boy, 
the 12-year-old kid pulled a gun out and shot Stephen in the neck, severing his spinal cord in his neck. The ambulance took him to the nearest hospital. Uh, another cop came and intervened and says, get him the hell out of here and get him to Bellevue. And that was a very wise decision because Bellevue is probably the best trauma hospital in the world. They treat everything there all the time. And they got him there, and true to uh, Bellevue's history, they kept him alive. While he was at Bellevue, um, the whole thing attracted uh, basically a media storm, the whole incident. And, and that was for a couple of reasons. Uh, first was obvious there were lines of visitors around the block at Bellevue uh, trying to get in his room uh, to see him. And they, they ranged in every, uh, from every level of society, from, from food vendors in, in Central Park who knew him and, and, and liked him so much, through the Cardinal, Cardinal Egan, the mayor, Koch, uh, and the governor was out there, along with the rank and file of the police department. Everybody was out there. And the second element that, ma that made it this such a media uh, story of, of such great magnitude was the attitude of, of Stephen and the McDonald family. Stephen said from, from Bellevue, he was quoted uh, on film saying, you could pray for me, but pray for the kid who shot me. He said, can you imagine what circumstances that kid grew up in to produce in him somebody who would cause this tragedy for, for my life and his life? Pray for him. He needs it just as much as I do. And alongside Stephen, at his side all the time was his pregnant and very pretty wife, Patty Ann, like a living guardian angel. So the whole thing engendered a phenomenal response in, in the press and in the public. Uh, at the time... I was uh, co-manager with uh, my friend Mickey Earl and uh, Steve Duggan. We co-managed an Irish rock band, probably the most famous uh, rock band in Ireland behind U2, and they were called Bagatelle. And Mickey called me up and said, you know, I think, how do you feel about a, uh, a, a concert, uh, a benefit concert by Bagatelle for Stephen McDonald? And I said, Mickey, that's a great idea. And uh, let me let me draw up a, a little draft of the whole thing. And and I thought it was a brilliant idea because it was a win-win situation. It was good for Bagatelle. It was, it was good for Stephen McDonald. So that's pretty inviting. So I, I drafted up an idea uh, of, for the concert. And I figured it might be uh, good to have it at the Felt Forum, which was the small theater venue of Madison Square Garden, which seats about 2,500 people and has a professional stage. And I thought Bagatelle would give a concert and uh, we'd have a night, some Irish culture and, and some boxing uh, champions that I knew I could bring out. And maybe we'd get the sponsorship of the uh, NYPD's Emerald Society uh, or the Holy Name Society. And uh, we could have a successful uh, successful benefit and, and, and raise some money for Stephen. Well, Mickey took my draft and he gave it. He was tending bar at the time, and he gave it to one of his customers, a guy named Bob Kelly, who was Stephen's brother-in-law. Bob Kelly brought it to Stephen's father, David McDonald, and Dave immediately took the idea up and, and invited us, uh, Mickey and his partners, uh, myself and Steve included, to uh, 250 Broadway, which was the headquarters of the... Uh, Police Benevolent Association, the most powerful union probably in the city. They represent 30,000 rank-and-file police officers in New York. And, and uh, we went there, and Dave was in the company of 
um, Phil Caruso, who was the president of the PBA, and um, a friend of the family's who was uh, a PBA uh, delegate or trustee from Manhattan North, Eddie Mahoney, an ex-Marine, and a wild guy, but a most wonderful human being and close friend of the McDonald family, a very enthusiastic guy. Well, they loved the idea and wanted to expand it and thought that maybe we should uh, get a committee together, which we did. We formed a committee of 10 different uh, or so people, myself included. Everybody had a different job. And uh, they brought in one of the committee members was a fellow named Dan Danaher, who was just a recently retired detective. And he was the band manager of the Emerald Society Pipes and Drums, which leads the St. Paddy's Day Parade every day. Very famous band in New York. They're wonderful. And Dan had just, uh, in his retirement, uh, signed on as the first uh, head of security for the brand new Javits Center, which hadn't even opened yet. They were just opening. And this was in the mid-80s. And uh, the Javits Center wanted to make good uh, with the public and, 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 and get out there and get known. And they offered the entire facility for free at no cost. That was an offer we couldn't refuse, and that was really good. And Dan said he would get the Emerald Society pipes and drums to perform, and now the thing was growing in scale. And before you know it, we had the whole thing going, and it took place at the Javits Center with eight bands. Bagatelle were the headliners. It was fabulous. And the mayor, Cardinal Legan, the co-chairs, the honorary co-chairs of the whole fundraising benefit, well, Maureen O'Hara, the actress, famous for her role with John Wayne in The Quiet Man, and um, Fred Wilpon, who was the president of the Mets. We had donations from the New York Giants, the New York Yankees, Aer Lingus. Uh, we had raffles, trips around the world, uh, Eastern Airlines, and uh, all sorts of things happened, and uh, catering and everything else. We also had almost 20, I got almost 20 boxing champions to sign and, and come and appear and sign a big ceremonial gold glove that was given and donated to us uh, by Everlast for the uh, boxing equipment company for Stephen and to be presented to Stephen as, a, as a, a token of the evening. Now, Stephen himself wasn't there. Uh, at that time, he and Patty Ann were in Colorado at rehab. But the whole night, I would use the word magical to describe it. You put 10,000 people, cops, in one room with a lot of beer and a lot of booze, and you can expect there might be problems, you know. <laughs> you can anticipate there might be a problem here and there. <laughs> but the whole thing was a blessed event. It, nothing could be more beautiful, more moving, and, and smoother. To top it all off, we raised that evening $275,000. We had 10,000 people in the audience. $275,000 that night, plus another additional one hundred and seventy-five dollars as an indirect result of that night, totaling $450,000, which we used to purchase a house in Malvern, uh, in Nassau County, where Patty was from, and retrofit that house to suit Stephen, where he lived for the next 32 years uh, till the day he died. Now, as a full quadriplegic, in, in, in Colorado, they could get him to adapt to certain things, but they couldn't cure the, the underlying circumstance of his paralysis. He was par paralyzed from the neck down to his toes, and it was a tough, tough proposition. 
And over those 32 years that he survived, he and I developed a, a, a close personal friendship. Uh, he always used to say, uh, you and Mickey were the guys who lit the match uh, and the rest of it caught fire. Uh, and I used to tease him and say, if I knew you were a tomahawk, I wouldn't have lifted a finger for you. And he said, well, if I knew you were a jet, I wouldn't have taken the money. And we would go back and forth and have a lot of fun. But he uh, lived those 32 years in uh, in phenomenal fashion. He was uh, stayed and remained. They had him stay on as an active uh, policeman. And what he they promoted him to detective. And what he would do is be uh, basically a goodwill, a goodwill uh, representative of the police department everywhere, whether it be in a foreign country, uh, anywhere in the United States, or from precinct to precinct. He would show up when cops would muster out on the, on the day shift, early in the morning, or the swing shift in the afternoon, or 4 or 5 o'clock, or the, or the overnight shift at midnight. Stephen would show up at every precinct, at every shift over the years, and talk to the cops that were going out to work and, and caution them to be careful and to do their best and try to help people and, and always invoking, you know, uh, the best ideals of, of the, the NYPD uh, by his own example. He never, never, ever complained. He was a person of deep faith. He organized uh, an annual trip to Lourdes for people who were handicapped and who had been severely injured, and he led the trip every year he would go there. He, uh, every year, would join the march in his wheelchair. He would join the march from uh, St. Francis of Assisi Church in the, in the West 30s near Madison Square Garden down to the World Trade Center, honoring the, the, the path that uh, Franciscan friar Father Michael Judge took on the day of 9-11. Uh, Father uh, Father Michael was uh, a fire department chaplain, and he walked from his church down to the trade center where he was ministering to firemen uh, when the building collapsed and he died in the fire. And every year there's an honorary uh, march honoring uh, Father Michael Judge, and Stephen would be one of the leaders in, uh, of, of that march and participate. He... Uh, <coughs> He, he did so much for so many people, and he never complained. And his father, Dave, would say, you know, you have to understand the one thing about Stephen. He said in, he's never had a conscious waking moment when he wasn't aware of his condition. And all he ever did was smile. And he embodied the, the, the Christian ideals of, of, of uh, humility and, and charity and forgiveness. And he was just the most outstanding person. And um, at St. Pat's, they had a funeral for Stephen that I've never seen the likes of before or since. It was as if the King of England had died or the Queen of England had died. The pageantry, and, and, and he deserved it. Um, and by the way, one, he, I, I left this out, uh, but I wanted to mention this anyway because he was an avid New York Rangers hockey uh, team fan. And every year, he would go to all the home games, and every year, the Rangers instituted an award called the Stephen McDonald Award, which the players themselves voted on, uh, honoring the teammate who that season uh, put in the, the best effort and the greatest effort, and Stephen would present that trophy. He was so proud of that, and the Rangers were proud of it. They would, they would 
earnestly compete to win that award. Uh, they coveted that award because it was, an, it was recognition by your peers. At the funeral, Stephen was sent off by no less than one, I counted them from the steps of St. Patrick's, 136 highway patrolmen on their motorcycles led the, the, uh, the funeral uh, cortege. And, uh, and um, he was sent off, uh, the mayor, the governor, the cardinal, and, and everybody in between, cops and, and, and firemen, and everybody who could possibly show up showed up uh, and gave him the send-off that he deserved, which was uh, fitting for, a, a, I guess, a, he was an everyday saint. I would call him a saintly person in, in every true sense of the word. And when I think about Stephen... I think about how truly tough he was. Not like Mike Tyson, tough in the sense of uh, giving out punishment, but tough in the sense of enduring unspeakable hardship and um, handicap and smiling and laughing and helping others all the way. Thanks for listening. Come back next week for another episode of Uncommon Law, Lessons They Don't Teach in Law School. I'm Judge Rudy Greco. Court is adjourned.